0: You are listening to the 2022 air and space power conference brought to you by the royal australian air force's air and space power center in this presentation minister for defense peter dutton contributes with their discussion on national resilience and innovation we join the presentation as it is introduced to the conference attendees well, good morning uh, ladies and gentlemen it's a great uh, honor and privilege to be here with you today i want to say thank you very much uh, to the Royal Australian Air Force and to the Department of Defence for hosting uh, what's an incredibly important event. Uh, In particular, I want to say thank you and acknowledge uh, the Chief of the Royal Australian Air Force, uh, Air Marshal Mel Hupfield, for that presentation, for the leadership that you provide. And to all of our guests here today, I want to extend, on behalf of the Australian Government, the Australian people, a very warm welcome to our international guests. We have uh, some 150 delegates. And at this time, uh, it is crucial that we're able to reconnect and that we're able to return back to a normal way of life post COVID, at least in uh, an environment that uh, exists at the moment. Uh, Who knows what the next variant might be, but to reconnect and to reform those relationships uh, is incredibly important. Uh, There are, of course, uh, too many uh, highly distinguished guests here today to name individually, but uh, we do know that among this, Eminent cohort are air and space force chiefs or their representatives from countries around the globe. So thank you again uh, for being here and for making the effort, as Mel pointed out, to to travel to Australia. Your attendance speaks of the deep and abiding defence relationships that have been forged between your countries and Australia, between your air forces and the Royal Australian Air Force. All of us are watching the terrible, Conflict unfolding in the Ukraine at the hands of a despot hellbent on reinstating Russia's imperial reach and spheres of influence. Here in the Indo-Pacific, many nations have been subjected to different forms of Chinese government coercion over a sustained period. And we're witnessing China's rapid militarization, the largest of its kind in peacetime and modern times, a build-up unaccompanied by transparency, or strategic reassurance for concerned nations in the region and beyond. The times in which we live reinforce the enduring importance of hard power, both in defense of a nation and to deter aggression, and the absolute necessity of like-minded nations working together more closely, together to preserve the peace and the stability which which has, and will continue to push humanity forward. As we know, technological developments continue to change the character of warfare, particularly in the air and space domains. We've seen the increasing use of remotely piloted and uncrewed platforms which can be used on their own, teamed with traditional manned capabilities for force multiplier effects and used in swarm capacity. We're also seeing the growing importance of hypersonics and space-based satellite communications. Both Russia and China are already developing hypersonic missiles, which, as we know, can travel more than 6,000 kilometres per hour. Together with like-minded partners and the United Nations, Australia has long championed and been responsible and peaceful in our use of outer space in accordance with international norms. But space is becoming more congested and is already contested particularly as the boundaries between competition and conflict become increasingly blurred through grey zone activities. Tellingly, more than 7,500 satellites orbit the Earth, with thousands more being launched each year. While space is primarily a civil domain to support navigation, communication networks, financial systems, scientific enterprises, weather forecasting, and disaster response, it will undoubtedly become a domain which takes on greater military significance in this century. A domain which is now an operational theatre which provides space-based communication, intelligence and navigation to the joint force. We know that some countries are developing capabilities to threaten or degrade space networks, to target satellites and to destroy space systems. Countries that see space as a territory for their taking rather than one to be shared. In November last year, as part of an anti-satellite missile test, Russia destroyed its own redundant Cosmos 1408, which left behind a cloud of more than 1,500 pieces of lethal debris that will take decades to clear. For any nation, losing access to space would have significant civil and military consequences. Thus, all nations have an interest in assuring their access to space. It's a domain which must be used to deter aggression rather than become a new realm for conflict. So friends, to that end, it's my great pleasure today to officially announce the stand-up of Australia's Defence Space Command. I want to congratulate the newly appointed head of that command, Air Vice-Marshal Kath Roberts. Australia's Defence Space Command will initially be modest compared to those similar well-established functions which already exist among some of our allies. But make no mistake, we are looking forward and it's a necessary endeavour with a view to protecting our national interests and our need for a Space Force in the future. Defence Space Command comprises personnel from three services, Defence Public Servants and industry's Contractors. It works in close collaboration with the Australian Space Agency, with industry partners and our research and scientific institutions. Importantly, Defence Space Command is Australia's contribution towards a larger collective effort among like-minded countries to ensure a safe, stable and secure space domain. By developing our sovereign space capabilities, we will not only become more self-reliant, but also be a better ally and partner through the combined effects of our capabilities. Australia's aim will be to invest in new military space capabilities to counter threats, to assure our continued access to space-based intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, and to uphold the free use of space. Guiding the efforts and priorities of Australia's Defence Space Command is the Defence Space Strategy, which I'm pleased also to release today. Importantly, Australia and the United States are strengthening our alliance to support our mutual objectives in the space domain. The Australian Department of Defence and the US National Reconnaissance Office have committed to a broad range of cooperative satellite activities, which will expand Australia's space knowledge and capabilities. Our partnership will also contribute to the US National Reconnaissance Office's pursuit of a more capable, integrated and resilient space architecture to support global coverage in a wide range of intelligence mission requirements. Ladies and gentlemen, noting the dual focus of this conference, I want to turn quickly to discuss some of Air Force activities, including those undertaken in conjunction with our dear allies and partners. Many of the countries represented at this conference have offered significant support to the Ukraine. Australia is providing financial aid and military assistance to help Ukrainians defend themselves against their Russian aggressors. I want to acknowledge the efforts of the men and women of the Australian Defence Force. Our Air Force has successfully delivered military assistance on three separate flights of C-17 Globemaster transport aircraft. And it's becoming clear that in invading the Ukraine, President Putin has miscalculated. He's underestimated the resolve of the people of Ukraine and the response of nations around the world. We must remain determined in what we can do to support liberty against the odious forces of tyranny. In the Indo-Pacific, Australia is contributing to collective efforts to maintain stability and to deter aggression in this region. That's why we participate in exercises like Cope North in Guam, held in early February, along with the US Air Force and the Japan Air Self-Defense Force. Among our Air Force contingent, 11 F-35s were involved in the exercise, the first time our Joint Strike Fighters have participated in a trilateral exercise. In the broad, such exercises are crucial for allies and partners to enhance combat interoperability and participate in high-end training. Indeed, prior to Cope North, Australia accepted four new F-35s in Guam. Our Air Force is now operating 48 of a planned 72 Joint Strike Fighters. And I look forward to hearing reports from this conference which discuss this important platform, a fifth generation, a multi-role aircraft which is already, or fast becoming, the preferred fighter for many of our partners. Its capabilities are a critical part of our country's air combat system includes of course the Wedgetail, the Growler and the Super Hornet. Another platform which I'm sure will be a topic of discussion is the P-8A Poseidon patrol aircraft. Australia has taken delivery of 12 of these aircraft and last month the government in conjunction with South Australia announced plans to establish a new deep maintenance facility adjacent to RAF Base Edinburgh. We envisage that this facility will develop into a regional hub to service the Poseidons but also other aircraft like the Wedgetail, early warning and control aircraft. Our Poseidon aircraft already supports international efforts like Operation Argos, where we help enforce UN Security Council sanctions against North Korea in response to that nation's weapons program. And upon finishing a deployment for Operation Argos, a RAF P-8A Poseidon will fly to Japan to be part of a trilateral intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance mission with the US Air Force and Japanese Air Self-Defence Force. The deep maintenance facility we'll develop at Edinburgh is an example of how Australia is developing its sovereign capabilities, which will help us step up our contributions to such regional maritime activities. Of course, our century-old Air Force would not be what it is today without its partnership with industry. One of our most promising joint ventures is that between RAF and Boeing on the air power teaming system. Formerly known as a loyal wingman, but named officially yesterday, as the Chief pointed out earlier, as the MQ28A Ghostbat. And he alluded to the capacity and the capability of the Ghostbats and their brutal outcome, which I'm sure he'll go into brutal uh, and fine detail in his presentation. The uncrewed aircraft, with a range of more than 3,700 kilometres, is the first combat aircraft to be designed in Australia for more than half a century. It can fly solo missions or be teamed with crewed capabilities for force multiplier effects. The Ghost Bat has already completed successful first missions. Compared to crewed capabilities, autonomous capabilities can be produced in quantity relatively quickly and inexpensively with their loss or damage also being more tolerable. This is our vision for the Ghostbat, a platform which we anticipate will be of interest to many. So ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, friends, I wish you well for discussions as part of this Air and Space Power Conference. Whether you're here representing one of our military partners, industry, Australian business, or our research and academic institutions, it's events like these which can help translate intent into action. Thank you very much. Thank you for being part of the Air and Space Power Center's 2022 Air and Space Power Conference, which was proudly sponsored by Principal Sponsor Boeing, Major Sponsors L3 Harris, Rolls-Royce and Lockheed Martin. If you are looking to consume, contest or contribute to airspace power, please visit www.airpower.airforce dot gov.au.